0: Hello everyone and welcome to Autism Stories. I'm your host Doug Gletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people and others in the autism community to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. I heard it said that one thing is for sure, we have to do something. We have to be the best we know how to at the moment, and that is what Amy Lee Bucksh is doing as the founder of the Lilypads Project. Listen today as Amy discusses starting this project as a way to help autistics with their menstrual cycles. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Amy, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I wanted to start out and learn, where does your story in the autistic community begin?
1: Well, I was diagnosed about two years ago, so adult diagnosis. I went through most of my life being aware that I wasn't neurotypical because I was diagnosed with ADHD at a relatively young age, but I didn't, um, I guess it, it took me a while to connect the dots and I started looking into autism as something that seemed like it was really relatable to me. And then I suggested it to my therapist and she was like, oh yeah, this actually was something that I was thinking about as well. So we were kind of on the same page and we decided to pursue a diagnosis.
0: and now, I've talked with people on autism stories um, from all over the United States and from many other countries, but never from Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, Now, I'm wondering, you mentioned uh, therapists. I'm wondering about resources for autistic adults in in your country. I mean, just about anywhere they are limited, but I was just wondering what types of support is out there in in Trinidad and Tobago?
1: Well, um, I'm in Trinidad, but in both Trinidad and Tobago, there's kind of uh, a, a lot of limitations to resources i mean like you said it's pretty much like that everywhere but here um mental health is not really a high priority uh, so we're still in a, a, a very basic place when it comes to understanding the needs of um people with disabilities and we have a couple little um groups that support autistic children, but we don't actually have a lot of support for autistic adults at all in any kind of structural sense.
0: I always enjoy talking with other entrepreneurs because I look at them as people similar to myself who see a problem with some, some, some type of problem in the world and are determined mm-hmm. to do something about it. So, saying that, why did you decide to create your company, Lilypads?
1: Well, I like to I like to talk about Lilypads as a project rather than as a business mm. because I feel like that kind of gives me a back door. if I ever decide I want to just stop and do something else, <laughs> <laughs> but um, for me, I, I I consider myself an artist. I, I write and I paint and um, creative stuff is basically my main interest and so i've done a lot of work in those types of industries and you know the the one industry where a lot of artists end up is advertising Mm -hmm. so i worked in advertising for quite some time and um i i wasn't really satisfied with what i was doing because i i'm an activist and um Social activism is something that's very important to me. And I wanted to be doing something that was uh, bringing something into the world rather than what I felt like advertising was kind of taking away a little bit of the magic of the world. So I quit my job and I, Lily Pads was... My way of saying, well, okay, there's a million problems that we have to deal with right now, and it's kind of overwhelming for one person to try and uh, even begin to figure out how we could deal with those problems. But if I could do something with my hands that is simple and accessible, but also could actually make a dramatic change in someone's life, then it would make me feel a little less depressed about the state of the world
0: absolutely and for our listeners that might not have heard of the lily pads project before what is your mission
1: right so um lily pads is a two-fold project half of it is that i make cloth menstrual pads i use designs that i also um paint and design myself and I construct everything myself and in Trinidad we don't have a lot of access to reusable menstrual products and everything is pretty much imported a lot of it from uh, the US so what I wanted was to create something that was locally made and in that way make it more accessible to the people who would need it the most. So that was the, uh, the business aspect of it, is selling these pads, but I also wanted it to be a little more than that. I also wanted to get involved in the conversation on sexual and reproductive health in general, which we definitely need to have a,
0: mm-hmm. a more
1: frank conversation about that here, but I guess also globally. And um, so I wanted to use my lily pad space to also talk about those issues and hopefully help some people here or anywhere feel a little more comfortable with their bodies and a little more comfortable with their menstrual cycle. And
0: What are the uh, reusable pads made out of and why did you choose those materials?
1: Um. Well, when I started out, I, the, the great thing about things like this is that I find in a lot of areas of, I guess, information that is very woman based on non-cis heterosexual male based, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of medical focus on it. And so I find that in those situations, communities build up their own stores of grassroots information. So a lot of the information I found is readily available online for anyone who wants to make their own pads or learn about making reusables. Um, It's very accessible if you want to find patterns and stuff online. So that was the first place that I looked and I found, I did a little research on what types of uh, cloth is used for things like this. And the the type that I decided on was I wanted to be as non-plastic as possible. So some reusable pads use a a backing that is a a plastic-based fiber And so I wanted to find something that could be softer and also as far away from plastic as possible. So I used fleece instead and fleece is naturally um, water resistant and also it adheres to other cloths. So it actually worked out the problem of not having adhesive on the back of a pad Hmm. and then I use cotton for the tops, which is uh, good for sensitive skin, so it had a double benefit as well. And then the middle is um, cotton flannel and bamboo knit.
0: Now I, I read that you've done some workshops to teach people how to uh, create these pads. What, what have kind of been the results of that?
1: Well, that's not actually something I'm working on right now. I was hoping to be doing in-person workshops. but Uh, you know, life and COVID-19 has stepped on those plans. So, I'm right now working with a a group who is doing uh, DIY videos based on, uh, to help people during COVID-19 who are doing more things for themselves. So, using upcycle fabrics. So, um, making videos, uh, they haven't come out yet, but hopefully soon. That would show people how to use, instead of the materials that I use, which are a little hard to source here because, you know, no one uses fleece in the tropics. We just don't have a need (laughs) for it. (laughs) So things like um, T-shirts, for cotton T-shirts for toppers and um, terry cloth or toweling for the absorbent part. And, yeah, just showing that there are ways around... If you can't get access to the materials that are branded as for use for pads, you can still use uh, everyday different types of fabric to make something that could last you five to ten years.
0: Now, how can people learn more about the Lily Pads Project or purchase your reusable pads?
1: Well, I'm most active on Instagram so that is where people would be able to find out more about us more about the work we're doing at Lilypads tt and um, as far as purchasing I, i've had a, a couple of people interested from different parts of the world and unfortunately right now because of just my limitations i guess It's pretty much just me doing it and me sitting behind a little sewing machine. So I can only really service people in Trinidad and Tobago for now. But anyone who reaches out to me, I always say find somebody locally who's doing what I'm doing and support them and help local businesses grow because that's always the way forward.
0: I run a group for autistic people that are also transgender. So one thing that I really liked in terms of your promotion of the reusable pads is using gender neutral terms. What went into uh, your decision or why was that important for you to do that?
1: Well, I'm non-binary. So just off the bat, it's something that is of personal importance to me being inclusive. But just in general, I uh, as a part of the LGBTQ plus community, I know firsthand that we're often left out of the conversation and locally, the conversation about our rights is pretty much just getting started. So when I bring up the idea that menstruation is a gender neutral experience, it's it's been a Pretty jarring conversation to have with a lot of people locally because I think I mean even globally some cisgender women feel very tied to their ability to menstruate and to their uh, reproductive system as part of their womanhood. So it feels kind of like an attack on that. But I just want people to understand that it's not about um it's not about taking away something from women, it's about opening up a space so that everybody can have access, because access makes people safer.
0: So is it more you get like some negative feedback or is it confusion?
1: It's a mix because on one hand, there are people who are really excited to finally hear this experience being talked about because it's so often left um, out of the conversation, uh, some people are confused, and because uh, people don't, uh, a lot of people locally don't have a in-depth understanding of what it even means to be trans, and um, a lot of our trans community locally, I mean, it, it's not as visible as where we would like it to be. But so people are confused about if I'm talking about a trans man or a trans woman, and that's where the confusion comes in. So who menstruates? But there are also some people who feel threatened by this idea. And I try to approach anyone who comes to me with a, a, willingness, a willingness to learn, regardless of where they're at, But if they don't have a willingness to learn, I also try to make it clear that this is a safe space for queer people, for trans people. And if you will not adhere to those rules, then you can't be a part of this space.
0: As a part of the LilyPads project, you recently became involved in the Safe Cycle program. Can Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about this program?
1: Okay, so... Uh, Safe Cycle is a project that I'm really excited about. It's actually going on right now for the next couple of months. It was started up by a local NGO run by young feminists called Feminit. Um, they're on Instagram at Feminite F-E-M-I-N-I-T-T. And it, it's a campaign aimed at tackling period poverty locally, which is a, a serious issue that we're dealing with I suppose we've been dealing with it for a very long time, but we, we actually don't know much about the period poverty situation in Trinidad and Tobago because we don't have the research and data because no one has tried to tackle it in any sense structurally or individually. So this very small NGO run by young people, decided to take on this project of providing menstrual products to young people who menstruate who are in need, as well as to pretty much do some of the stuff that I've been doing with pads, which is having a an open conversation about menstruation and about the taboos that are preventing people from having access. So I decided to get on board with this and to be part of this campaign. So what we're doing right now is trying to raise awareness so that people can know that we are taking on this project. Uh, You know, none of us are, the funding is always the big issue whenever you're trying to tackle something like this. So we're trying to get funding as best as we can, get donations from people either of menstrual products or, you know, just cash donations so that we can reach the kids and the teens who might be missing days, weeks of school every month because of lack of access or who might be putting themselves at risk because of using products that are not hygienic or not designed for what they are using it
0: for definitely sounds like such a needed needed program and what one part of the program i was particularly interested in is is that safe cycle determines who may need to have medical assistance in aiding to have a safe cycle if someone is determined to need medical assistance what type of support can be provided to them
1: well the first thing that we want to do is make sure that uh, we can give access to people to see doctors, to see OBGYNs, to get a checkup because there are a lot of there are a lot of issues that can happen when you're not aware of your menstrual cycle when you're kind of dissociated from the experience that is menstruation, you might even be aware that this pain is not supposed to be this intense or you know this cycle is is not supposed to be this long and so we want to give these people first the information so that they can be aware when there's something unusual about their cycle and then second give them access to a doctor so they can then go and see what is happening they can become more familiar with their bodies and then hopefully get the um care that they would need to treat whatever issue they might be facing?
0: I think that in, in with most things there's they're not clear enough and in specific information and and direction. So I would imagine that is no different than education regarding menstruation. So I'm wondering are there resources that you would suggest to give clear and detailed information about Difficulties in coping with change in the body and change in periods.
1: I wish that I had
0: an answer (laughs) that
1: was just like easy because this is something that I've been also searching for myself, and the one the one space that I have found that is not a website or a specific place, it's just community and uh, I think that is the most valuable resource, especially in a place like Trinidad and Tobago, where we don't structurally have things in place. The, uh, the, the power of community is our greatest strength. And uh, hearing different stories, hearing different experiences, and um, being able to share information openly, without shame, that's, that's pretty much my only, the only answer I could give
0: right now. I always think about sensory sensitivities in, in all area of the life of autistics. So how do you think these sensitivities affect menstruation and what can be done to, to help these situations be even a, just a little bit less stressful?
1: Um, actually, this was the question that I was the most excited about to engage with the autistic community and learn as much as possible and then in the last two years that's also been around the time that I've been doing lily pads so also becoming more entrenched into the uh, menstruation conversation but I've never actually seen anyone combine the two types of information so I really had to stop and think about my own personal experience with Mm. sensory issues and with managing, especially from the point of PMS onto the end of the menstrual cycle. And for me, it's, it's been a journey that I have been following on my own thus far. I haven't really discussed it with other autistic people that I know who menstruate. So In my personal experience, I know that I have very intense bouts of mood swings during PMS that can be very draining, and anything that's draining my energy sort of brings me close to a meltdown if I'm not careful. So I think one of the important things is um, embracing rest and embracing just slowing down for Well, you would know best how your cycle works but those days in your cycle where you feel a little more overwhelmed or feel a little more like things are a little intense and just being okay with the fact that your body doesn't have to be functioning at 100% for it to be a good body and a useful body and it's okay for you to take time to rest and recuperate and um, As far as the sensory issues, warmth is your best friend on your period because a lot of the pain that comes with period, that's menstrual cramps and things like that, you're experiencing constriction in your blood vessels, which is exacerbated when they're cold. So that's why people recommend warm packs, putting on socks. A bunch of clothes wrapping up in a blanket, and um, that's been helpful for me to kind of cut down on the sensory experiences as I'm going through the high points of the uh, period itself.
0: It 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 sounds like to me like so many um, other areas of the autistic experience that there's that there needs that there's a lack of research and we definitely need a lot more research in this area.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: <laughs> well, well, Amy, I really appreciated the conversation. Thanks for making time and uh, talking with me today.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be having this type of conversation. And I hope that, you know, some people who might not even know where Trinidad and Tobago is might have learned something today.
0: <laughs> well, I learned how to pronounce uh, Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks so much to Amy for the conversation. To learn more about Amy and the Lilypads project, check out the link in the podcast description for this episode. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On the next episode of Autism Stories, we will talk with Hannah Petrie about teaching music to neurodiverse people. Talk to you then.